The first thing is First Thing with Mike Parsons and Renee Vitale on 760 WJR, where Michigan comes to talk. Renee, did you hear about this thwarted kidnapping in Trenton on Christmas Eve? Oh, my gosh. This is if this isn't a Dateline special, I'm going to be shocked. This is nuts. And, and it's a long story. So I'm going to I'm going to try to get through it quickly because there's other things I want to get to. But um, a guy named George Mandarakis was arrested outside of St. Joseph's Church in Trenton on Christmas Eve for stalking and attempted kidnapping. Now, Mandarakis and his uh, intended victim, they had a four year relationship and she ended it in 2023 after she was after she discovered that he was lying about his age. So th- this, this has to be an online relationship, right? Yeah. Um, so according to court documents, the suspect Mandarakis, he drove from his home in New Jersey to Trenton, Michigan, where he checked into a hotel and he badgered his intended victim into meeting up with him. And, and she eventually agreed and told him not to contact her anymore. Mandarakis, he didn't take this too well. He tried to block her path. And then once she was able to get past him and into her her car, he chased after the vehicle on foot. Now, a month later, Mandarakis, he showed up out of the blue in Woodhaven at a salon where he tried to hug and kiss the intended victim. Then he showed up outside a bar where she was hanging out with her friends. One of her friends told him to buzz off. Mandarakis showed up again later on and told the victim that he was going to marry her. And then um, this is where it gets 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 even crazier. So somehow one of the intended victims, friends or family, they got wind of Mandarakis's plan to kidnap her on Christmas Eve. So the intended victim and her family, they found out that there was one of those Apple tags on her car that he put on there to, to keep keep tabs on her. So they drove it to St. Joseph's Church in Trenton, left it in the parking lot. They went to another vehicle watch Mandarakis show up in the parking lot, circle the car. He went inside the church. Obviously, she wasn't there. And when he left the church, police were outside waiting for him. And they searched his car. They found firearms, ammo, handcuffs, a rope, a knife, a stun gun, a tarp, multiple cell phones, Canadian currency. But they also found maps uh, on how to sail from Florida to Cuba. Maps on how to sail from New Jersey to Morocco oh my and a bunch of other survival supplies. Also, so. there was stuff to, on how to change his identity. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, this guy, this guy is obviously psycho and all over the place. I mean, he had Canadian currency. He also was thinking, I, I mean, it sounded like he didn't have a clear cut plan. I mean, anyone who's who, who who's, has a book sailing to Morocco for dummies. He clearly didn't think this thing through, but nonetheless, that doesn't mean he's any less dangerous. And um, I, I mean, kudos to the intended victims, f- family and friends um, who really outsmarted this guy yeah. and headed off a, a very potentially dangerous situation. You know, there is a Facebook group that uh, I used to belong to. I, I'm still a part of it, but it was for when I was single. And it was are, it was called Are We Dating the Same Guy? 
And it yeah. started to be a, a group for, are we dating the same guy? But really, it's turned into the safety group where women can go, oh is there God. any tea or red flags on this person? And they'll post for online dating pictures of the guy and say, hey, is there anything that anybody knows about this person? And that's immediately what I thought of when I when I heard this story. Yeah. Um, you know what? And, and that's a great idea. It really it's- is. Especially when people are are meeting strangers off the internet or off off a phone app. I mean, you, you know, you know, if you know someone for a while and you guys kind of fall for each other, you, you, at least you got some background. But I mean, uh, you know, it, it, the way people date nowadays that that's actually a very very smart idea. It really is. And and actually, this is I don't know that it would have helped this person in this situation because it's intended right. for the Metro Detroit area. But mm-hmm. you you say you know someone for a while. It's crazy to me how many people will go. Oh my gosh, I've been dating this guy for a year, and I just found out that he was married with kids. Actually, um, and you're right too because um, you know this woman from Trenton. She knew this guy for four years, not person, not not in person, but. You know, I mean, these uh, these Internet, these long distance relationships they're yeah. I mean, they're just just as real as as close proximity relationships. Right. Right. And um, yeah, I mean, you would think after four years, you felt like you knew somebody, even if you, uh, you know, didn't see each other in person a whole heck of a lot. Yep. Now, you, you said that he was he was posing as a, as a college student, but, but he was significantly older than college age. Yeah. So I, I read somewhere that he was 36. I don't know if he's 36 now, or if he was 36 in 2019, either way, if that was the case, either way, he was significantly older than a college student. Yeah. And God, I mean, and these Apple air tags, they, they sound like a good idea at the time. I mean, I, I've even, when I've lost my phone and I, 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 the ringer's off or I don't have anyone home to call my phone. I said, man, I got to get an Apple tag for my phone or uh-huh. I got to get an Apple tag for the remote. Cause I lose it in the couch. Cause you know, um, the, the fire stick, uh, remote is very small. It's not these big universal remotes right. that we grew up with. But it sounds like it sounds like they they pose quite a security risk because uh, for years we've been hearing about how they've been used to stalk people like what happened here mm-hmm. or they've been used um, where like carjackers will put them on someone's car out at like a, a, a place like like 12 Oaks or 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 Somerset where yeah. there's wealthy people and they'll, they'll put it on their car and then. They'll follow them and either carjack them or steal steal their car when when they're not looking. What so. they were intended for initially, I think, were good intentions. Right, um, but but that's they. It seems like they've been used for anything other than that. I mean, human nature being what it is, right? People are find them for nefarious reasons. So, um, the name of the intended victim hasn't been released. We don't need to know it, but hey, kudos to her and her family. Yeah. Um, you know, sorry you had to go through all of that and and I'm sure that there are countless stories like this every day that don't have this happy of an ending but I mean it's, it's a badass way to to get yourself out of a bad situation like that and hopefully hopefully it's not that difficult for most people because um you know you shouldn't have to take it upon yourself to get yourself out of a bad situation and going to those lengths reason 572 that I am happy I'm out of the dating game yeah, me too. I'm happy you're out of it too. Thank you. Mike. Um, yeah, you're welcome. Um, so, 40 Epstein documents were were released yesterday, and 
you know, this is part of former underage victim Virginia Goofrey's settlement with Epstein's girlfriend, Jelaine Maxwell, who is in jail for helping to facilitate Epstein's trafficking of minor women. And and so far, it's it's, it's kind of a big nothing burger, so right. to speak. Which we kind of thought. Yeah, we, we, we thought. Um, Prince Andrew, of course, he was named. He was one of the high profile people outed in Goofrey's deposition years ago, uh, who she was forced to have sex with. Bill Clinton's friendship with Epstein was also mentioned in these documents, but not he wasn't directly accused of any wrongdoing. And, and Clinton's camp maintains that it's been decades since the two had any contact. And I'll just read directly from the Associated Press piece. Clinton's name uh, came up because uh, Jufri was questioned by Maxwell's lawyer about an inaccurate newspaper report about her time with Epstein. The story uh, falsely quotes her as saying she had ridden in helicopters with Clinton and flirted with Trump. Jufri said that neither of those things actually happened. So I, I don't know where the newspaper came up with that. But in, in a, her sworn deposition, she said that she was never on a helicopter with Bill Clinton and she never flirted with Donald Trump. Um, the judge said that a handful of names should remain blacked out in the documents because they would identify people who were sexually abused. OK, but I mean, is there a way that we can find out who was involved in in engaging in this illegal activity while still protecting the victim's um, anonymity. I mean, there's got to be a way. Can't you just can't you just unblack out the names of the perpetrators and, and keep the victim's names blacked out? It you would think it doesn't seem that. Yeah, it doesn't seem that hard. Right. So and then uh, so, yeah, first 40 documents, I believe there are a few hundred. So there are more to be released. Um, but, you know, just like just like the last time that uh, names were were released in connection with uh, Jeffrey Epstein from um, Jufri's testimony, not the seismic shockwaves, the waves that we thought might be out there. Um, and, and I would think, well, actually, I don't know, because I don't know what the protocol is for for releasing these documents. You would think that the more salacious ones would be released first but i don't know what the legalities are so i guess we'll have to wait and see what else um what else comes out but uh already these documents are starting a high profile beef between two famous dudes yeah aaron Rodgers was on the pat mcafee show and he said that he'll be quote popping some sort of bottle when the new jeffrey epstein list came out he also suggested that jimmy kimmel's name could be on it Jimmy, obviously not cool with that. He tweeted, quote, dear bleephole, <clears throat> for the record, I've not met, flown with, visited, or had any contact whatsoever with Epstein, nor will you find my name on any list other than the clearly phony nonsense that soft brain wackos like yourself can't seem to distinguish from reality. Your reckless words put my family in danger. Keep it up and we'll debate the facts further in court. <laughs> right. So... I'm not going to completely tee off on Aaron Rodgers yet, just until all the documents are released and Jimmy Kimmel's name is nowhere to be found. I, I tend to believe Jimmy Kimmel at this sure. point, uh, but obviously stranger things are, have happened. But taking Jimmy Kimmel at his word, saying that, um, you know, he's never had any dealings with Epstein. He's never even met Epstein. I, I could understand why that. he. What's that? I mean, I'd have to believe that. Yeah, I'm inclined to believe it. Uh, but, you know, all the documents haven't been released. But taking him at his word, I can I, I completely understand why you'd want to sue somebody like that. You, you get Aaron Rodgers on the Pat McAfee show just kind of shooting his, his mouth off. 
And it, I mean, the wor- uh, being being a pedophile and being a rapist is is the worst thing you could be accused of. I'd rather be accused of murder right. than those two things. Absolutely. And so, and so I mean, and Aaron Rodgers, he he goes on the Pat McAfee show every every week and and it seems like at least once a month he says something that uh you know gets picked up and um and 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 you know we run with it but i i mean that's a very serious accusation and 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 unless unless you know for a fact and at least and unless you know you're 100 percent right about it you can't you can't be throwing that around right. about somebody right so uh, we'll see. Uh, I don't know when the next round of documents are supposed to be released. It but, sounded uh, like this was the end of it. it really? I To me, it sounded like it was just the beginning of it. Oh. But but I could be wrong. I guess we'll wait um, and see. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, because earlier uh, I was wrong about when the Pro Bowl was played and you were correct. So, <laughs> you know. <laughs> what do I know? <laughs> I don't know. No, no, what do I know? That's what I'm saying. What do I know? I, I was under the impression that this was just the beginning, uh, but but maybe not. And like I said, maybe this is the uh, the most damning of all documents. And if that's the case, it's going to be a pretty tame release. But uh, we'll uh, we'll keep an eye out, out on it. And if this is all, and by the way, if this is all um, that Bill Clinton is is mentioned in these documents, I mean, if you're Bill Clinton and 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 this was your only involvement, and for the past however many days, all the news was was saying, "Ooh, Bill Clinton is named in the Jeffrey Epstein documents," I I, I might be suing someone too because. Um, they didn't really say that I was implicated in any wrongdoings, but you see, you see these headlines that's that, that have your name next to Jeffrey Epstein's documents. And you already kind of have a reputation of being, uh, a, a, a perv. Well, perception's reality in this case, you know? Right. It, it, yeah. Well, and then there's people who aren't going to follow up the story. They're right. going to say, Oh, exactly. ooh, look. Yeah. So, but who knows? He might, he, there might be more stuff about Bill Clinton coming out, but then again, there might not be. First thing, Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale, WJR. God, I don't know. I haven't done a, a, a complete count, but this morning, at least 10 Detroit Lions have uh, woken up uh, to find out that they've made the Pro Bowl in one form or another. Now, five members of uh, the Detroit Lions were named to the actual roster roster i think that's the most since 1991 um hutch made it frank ragnow the center penny sewell the uh the tackle sam laporta who had a historically good um season at the tight end position and jalen reeves maben made it uh on on special teams and uh renee jason I uh, was a little surprised. I got, I was surprised, a little surprised to not see Jared Goff on there. He's a second alternate. I'm guessing he's the second alternate uh, between uh, behind Jalen Hurts, who's the first alternate. But I did a little, I did a little uh, analysis between Jared Goff and the numbers of uh, Brock Purdy, Dak Prescott, and Matt Stafford, who made the 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 actual Pro Bowl roster. Yeah, and. And, uh, of course, Brock Purdy's numbers are crazy. Dak Prescott's numbers are crazy. And I'm always happy to see Matthew Stafford succeed uh, unless he is playing us in the first round of the playoffs. Sure. But but I'm going to say Jared Goff's numbers are better than Matt Stafford's. So we got the shaft? Yeah, I I guess so. I mean, 
the Pro Bowl, it, it's it, it's not what it used to be. Essentially, it's like a flag football game. Um, and and honestly, I think they should just get a go do away with the Pro Bowl games and just announce the just announce the team. But yeah, I think he got the shaft a little bit. Um, my concern is is this game if it it it, it holds no merit towards anything, right? It's just for fun. Correct. Right. Yeah. Why did they do this before the Super Bowl? I feel like that we risk injury. Um. And and you know jeopardizing yeah. well, players. Well, no, those players that are in the Super Bowl don't play in that game. They don't play in that no. game. Mm-mm. Correct. Oh. And did it, did okay. They, See, I didn't did, know that. I think a couple years ago, did they? No. Did they move it, Chase? Or or is yeah? It, it still always used, it used to always be in Hawaii, and it used to be a week after the Super Bowl. Oh, it's after okay, the Super Bowl. No, it used to be. Now it now it's before. Now it's in between. Oh. Right. Okay. So my information was bad. You were right, Renee. Um, but yeah, well, and then, and that's the other thing, Renee, that they, they changed it from an actual football game because th- that was the exact thinking. Uh, it, it was just a terrible game to watch because it was essentially a, a game of two and touch because for that exact reason, nobody wants to get injured playing an exhibition game. And so now it's a flag football game and a skills competition okay and, uh, it's it's an even worse watch it's an even yeah. worse watch than the game itself so just do away with the games and just it, you, it won't be quite as prestigious as making an all-pro team but it's still a nice validation now how um, did uh, your, how did Amaras St. brown not make it he's a first alternate he and is. i don't okay. have yeah him and jameer gibbs were were first alternates and uh, I don't have the roster in front of me because my main point was that. And I haven't looked at Jalen Hurts numbers just because he didn't make the roster. But uh, my, my point is that, uh, you know, Jared Goff did have a better season than Matthew Stafford out in L.A. And uh, and Jared Goff was left off the roster. But I'm sure they don't care because they're not focused on a dang flag football game. They're focused on the playoffs. Is the uh, is the Pro Bowl uh, roster selected by Brad Allen? <laughs> perhaps good question good question uh he might have a vote it's a fan vote so uh i i guess maybe in a roundabout way he might have a one hundred thousandth of a, a of a say in it i don't know oh so, it'll uh, just it, never go away here's me who no. knows nothing about any of this i hope everybody has fun yeah i hope nobody gets hurt <laughs> right and everybody and you know has what? fun I hope Jason has fresh Brad Allen jokes for, for know. months. Into. <laughs> Jason's Brad Allen content is second to none. Yep, they're on point. Yep. Uh, you, you actually uh, alerted me to this story yesterday, Renee, and uh, it was very confusing. Yesterday, uh, the Michigan State Capitol was evacuated because uh, of a bomb threat. And and then as that story went on, we, we started to find out that that the, the Kentucky state capital was evacuated, Connecticut, Georgia, Mississippi and Montana. And I remember thinking, oh, my God, is this something is this something coordinated? And it turned out that it was just an email to the general email addresses of, of the state capital buildings. Yeah. So it was a whole lot of something and nothing at the same time. Right. It, I mean, it just sounded like some some idiot who found a bunch of, uh, you know, general inquiry email addresses to all the state capitol buildings, just just being bored and deciding to do a stupid prank. Right. And and stupid is the key word here, because most of these uh, buildings were vacant because uh, most don't go back into session until next week. Right. Well, you know, it's interesting you say that because um, 
on all talk yesterday, we had state house Republican leader, Matt Hall. And uh, I just, I, I just said, Hey, are you and everyone? Okay. I heard about what's happened at the Capitol. And he was, uh, he, he seemed very not worried. He goes, yeah, we're not in session. And my, my staff is okay. It was right. a false alarm. So right. that was, that was reassuring to, to hear that. Um, and uh, man, just, just as things were, uh, you know, as if the Middle East wasn't already a powder keg already, there is a big explosion yesterday at a memorial service of um, a general in Iran. Yeah, more than 100 people were killed on Wednesday in two explosions near a ceremony honoring a top Iranian commander killed in a U.S. drone strike in 2020. It was unclear what or who was behind the explosions, but state media quoted an official in the province where the blast took place as saying that they were caused by terrorist attacks. Hundreds had gathered at an anniversary ceremony at the cemetery where General Soleimani, who was the head of the Revolutionary Guard's elite Force is buried. Soleimani was killed in a U.S. drone strike ordered by the Trump administration four years ago. He was a highly revered figure in Iran, but to many others, he was seen as the mastermind behind Iran's network of proxy militias in Iraq, Syria, Lebanon, Gaza, and Yemen, which were behind numerous attacks against the U.S. and its allies in the Middle East. The blast took place amid rising tensions in the region, especially after Tuesday's strike blamed on Israel in Beirut that killed a senior Hamas official. Yeah, in the United States uh, State Department, they're saying they have nothing to do with it. Right. They said that they don't believe Israel was involved. Uh, but obviously they were not as demonstrable about that as saying that that they didn't have anything to do with it. Uh, and, uh, you know, you brought us the story yesterday, Renee, that uh, a um, high ranking Hamas official was killed in Lebanon and Hezbollah is vowing retribution against Israel for the death of him. And uh, this is something that's kind of flown under the radar. Israel says that it will defend itself against accusations of genocide made by South Africa uh, at next week's hearing at the International Court of Justice, more widely known as The Hague. I'm, I'm guessing South Africa is, is um, accusing them of genocide in Gaza. Mm -hmm. At a press conference this week, though, a spokesperson for Benjamin Netanyahu, he called the accusations anti-Semitic blood libel. So, wow. um, yeah, and uh, and I... Like I said, that seemed to to fly under the radar. I don't know if that's nothing, but but it doesn't sound like nothing. That, yeah, that's pretty strong words. Um, a committee of House Republicans they'll begin formal impeachment proceedings against Secretary of State Homeland Security um, Alejandro Mayorkas over the record-breaking influx of migrants crossing the southern border. Now, House Speaker Mike Johnson he's leading a Republican caravan down to the southern border. I'm guessing. This impeachment inquiry or the, the, these impeachment proceedings that are supposed to start next week, my guess is that's the reason they're down there. They're they're probably trying to uh, come up with evidence and ammo against Alexander Mayorkas next week when they start the impeachment proceedings. Um, and, and here's the thing: I, I don't disagree that there needs to be changes. I mean, the numbers are the numbers, and they show that things are bad, right? And, and they're historically bad down there, right? Um, but again like the Biden impeachments, like the effort to get Trump off the ballot in Maine and Colorado. I don't really see this going anywhere because the, the numbers just aren't there. Um, and then real quick, the Oxford High School shooter's mother is headed to trial and her defense team is asking for the removal of three witnesses. The three witnesses are an unnamed minor 
who was stuck in the bathroom with the shooter. Molly Darnell, a teacher who uh, she um, she actually encountered the shooter right before it happened. And uh, Christy Gibson Marshall, she was a vice president. Uh, I'm sorry, vice principal who tried to save one of the uh, students who did not make it. Um, they all testified at the Miller hearings over the summer, but um, the the Oxford shooters mother's defense team said that their testimony would be more emotional than substantial and that their stories could buy uh, could bias the jury. But uh, isn't that what you're supposed to do in a court of law? Right. Aren't you supposed to convince the jury that someone is guilty or not guilty? Yeah, she's saying that that would inflame the passions of a jury. Good. That's the point. Right. I mean, I'm no lawyer, but I would think that. And, and look, here's the thing. Uh, of course, the defense has to, to do this because um, we don't know what the law says. We don't know if the law was strong enough at the time to send the parents to jail. But this is definitely going to make them look terrible. Um, uh, they're and, clearly uh, grasping at straws here. Right. And yeah, and, and they're they're covering their butts. And that's what a lawyer is supposed to do for the, sure. the their client. But uh, I mean, let the let let these people testify and let the jury decide whether their testimony is relevant or not. Right. I mean, if if their testimony is going to be as flimsy and as emotional as the defense is is alleging, well, then let the jury make that decision. Uh huh. So anyway, uh, we are off to a uh, fast start here. It's first thing, Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale, WJR. And we're heading into JR Morning. So that means we are joined by Guy, Lloyd, and Jamie from JR Morning. And uh, Jamie, you brought this to uh, our attention that um, quite a night for the Detroit Lions yesterday as the Pro Bowl rosters were revealed. Wow, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the everyone else in the league is taking notice of this Detroit Lions yes. team. Five of them are going with a seven on the alternate list. And I think the biggest one is this rookie tight end, Sam Laporta, Laporta. and all he's doing. <laughs> Laporta Good for is him. Awesome. He's been near right. perfect. I mean, he the last game had, had a drop, yeah. missed a couple assignments, but by and large, he's been Not flawless. It. He has been. For a guy. rookie, I mean. 860 yards receiving for Sam Laporta so far with a game to go. Right. Okay, not Historic. to be a complainer, but what about Amon Ra St. Brown? That the guy was, has had more 100-yard games than any other receiver in the league. That was, it seemed like a snub that he wasn't there. Yeah. It but was. he's first alternate. Yeah. Is, is it, Gibbs part of that, too? First alternate, yeah. Gibbs. Yeah, I mean, j just about all of our skill positions have found, <laughs> found a place somewhere on the list, whether as a starter or, or as an alternate. And... Uh, we, uh, you know, we talked about it a little bit earlier. I wouldn't say Jared Goff was a snub because I believe that he had Jalen Hurts in front of him. He's a second alternate. Uh, but Jared Goff has had much better numbers than Matthew Stafford. But putting that aside, you know, Goff, he was kind of thrown on the dirt pile by, by the Rams. And obviously he's back and he's killing it. Stafford made the Pro Bowl and the Rams actually wanted to offload him in the offseason. Matthew Stafford so said no thanks. Are the Rams just terrible evaluators of, of their current quarterback talent? Because <laughs> it seems to be a trend. Yeah, they wanted to try, trade Matthew Stafford this season, and now look at them. They've won several games in a row, five of six, I believe. And mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Did, did you hear Kelly Stafford's response to the to the Dallas officiating debacle? 
She said, "No, oh. because I don't pay attention." Good. Tell us, guy. Tell yes, us. go on. Well, I was listening to your podcast. No, uh, it, was, it was just every. She said she, Matthew's word, quote was, "Holy blank, not again." Oh, which That's is right. kind of it was kind of you know he was every Lions fan in that moment. Yeah, yeah. I, I and he probably I felt he... that pain deeper than anyone else. I wonder, True. she makes a lot of news about what he has to say, sort of third person. I wonder if he gets tired of that. <laughs> right. Does he ever tell her, just stop talking, please? Right, please. Or, honey, you know. misquoted me. Yeah. Right. Or maybe well, he at says, the honey, beginning of- talk. <laughs> say it. I'm yeah, sorry, maybe, Lloyd. Maybe he's into it. Yeah, yeah, maybe he says, you know, do it for me. Go ahead. He can say it. <laughs> well, remember at the beginning of the season, uh, she was talking about how Matthew said he was having a hard time bonding with the young players yeah, or yeah. something. And, and it became a huge cards. story. Yeah. Right. And and you kind of thought, okay, well, you know, this 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 season has been um Shanghai from the beginning. And obviously they've they've turned it around. But that was my first thought. It's like, uh, honey, and, and I think we all do it as on-air personalities. You know, if there's if there's something that you want to bring up about your spouse, you you clear it with them first. Uh and, and I'm, you, you wonder if they've they've had those conversations about the podcast. Um, there are actually preemptive strikes that are launched by the spouses before we say <laughs> oh, anything. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, whatever you just said, I don't want to hear that on the air tomorrow. I get uh, it. You know, really? Oh, oh yeah, because yeah, she knows my filter isn't so good. <laughs> we haven't had that conversation. You no. don't get the, this is not for air? No. Oh. <laughs> I just right. get a text every now and then that says, I'm listening. <laughs> I, like, I like that. I like that. You know, my wife has it, but there's been times in the past where I've either had a debate with someone or or I've been in a situation where, where they've they've done something embarrassing and said they said, Don't go talking about this on the radio. Oh. I said, I'm on at five AM, no one's listening anyway. <laughs> That's not true. People are listening to you guys. Yeah. I heard good stuff about yeah. your show. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, <laughs> that's I heard. Nice. Well, I heard good. This is going to turn into a love fest because I heard good things about your show too. <laughs> anyway, all right, good. I'm glad we planned that out. Yeah, say that. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, that I mean, look, th- this is very exciting, and and here's the thing. I mean, they in the Pro Bowl games, which we can have a conversation whether they should just do away with it altogether. Um, you know, there's a lot of people who sit out, so I'm sure that there, there'll be even more lions, uh, who get the call because, um, you know, they, they go deep into the alternate list once the games actually roll around. They sure so, do. Yeah, but we want our guys to be eligible for all of those late games and ineligible for the Pro Correct. Bowl. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. exactly. I don't want right. to see right. them there. I'm happy for them, don't want to see them. Right, because if they're not there, that means we're in the big game. Ken Block, founder of Simpatico Software Systems, wrote an op-ed that was picked up by USA Today titled, Trump paid me to find voter fraud. Then he lied after I found the 2020 election wasn't stolen. Ken talks to Chris Renwick on JR Afternoon. So the day after the 2020 presidential election, Donald Trump's campaign hired an expert in voter data to attempt to prove that the election was indeed stolen. The expert that the Trump campaign had hired was Ken Block. Now, Ken Block is the founder of Simpatico Software Systems, and the in-depth analysis that he and his team did was also highlighted in the Select Committee to Investigate the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol. 
those transcripts show that the campaign found no evidence of voter fraud, but Donald Trump continued to say that the election was stolen. The findings also were subpoenaed by special counsel Jack Smith and his investigation. Uh, Fannie Willis, the Fulton County District Attorney down in Georgia, in her investigation. And Ken Block wrote an op-ed in USA Today yesterday. And it was a very interesting, almost brief look at what Ken Block has has gone through over the last number of years, from the allegations of election fraud to to now not finding anything. And Ken Block joins us this afternoon on WJR. Ken, it's good to have you. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. So talk to me a little bit about about going back to 2020 when when you were hired. What was that process like? (laughs) It it was from out of the blue. I uh, was literally sitting on the back deck with my family. My cell phone rang from a number in D.C. that I didn't recognize. It was one of the uh, top campaign lawyers for the Trump campaign. And when I say top campaign lawyer, I, I'm not talking about Rudy Giuliani, Sidney Powell, and, and folks like that. They were separate and apart from the actual campaign apparatus. Mm-hmm. And uh, he basically asked me if I would uh, be interested in looking for fraud for the campaign. And uh, in no way did I ever think that taking on that gig would uh lead to where I'm uh, talking to you on the phone about it right now. It's been a pretty wild couple of years. So talk to me about what you did find. So um, it, we're a little bit out ahead of when the book's coming. So uh, I'm going to, I'm going to keep it high level as opposed to really detailed right now, okay. but I was asked to look for evidence of deceased voters. I was asked to look for evidence of people who voted twice. Um, and then what wasn't part of the contract, but what they became, what they very quickly relied upon me to do was evaluate claims of fraud that others made that had come to the attention of the campaign legal team. And uh, I was asked to evaluate probably about 15 of those claims. And some of those claims were just some of the most bonkers things I've ever encountered in my life. And I was given usually 24 hours to assess the claim and try to figure out if it was uh, true or if it was uh, false, because within that month of November, you only have a few weeks from the election night in which you can contest the election results before the votes are certified. Mm -hmm. It's a very small window. So all of the work that I did came to me as an emergency crisis. You got to tell us right away whether this is good or bad because someone's waiting to file a lawsuit about mm. it, basically. You, you, you did highlight uh, in your USA Today piece that there, there were instances of fraud on both sides of the political aisle, Republicans and Democrats. You talked about those that had maybe two different residents or different homes were able to double dip in some cases. There were small numbers of of deceased bo- voters, but these levels of fraud didn't at all escalate to the levels of widespread voter fraud that would that would warrant uh, a, a 180 on the results of the the 2020 presidential election. You also talked about something else that I thought was quite interesting, and that was 
the 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 legal hurdles that you had to find in in your in your evidence uh, gathering that you had to find in order to overturn the election and that is that if it was even shown that there were fraudulent votes cast in in a particular state that it would be almost impossible to determine which candidate benefited from those fraudulent votes it, it, explain to me a little bit about that process in terms of uh, uh, of the fact finding and gathering that you went through but then the 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 legal bar that you had to be able to clear which which you obviously weren't able to clear right well and and to be to be just really crystal clear about things we never cleared the first bar that you were discussing which was enough fraud to matter uh that way and we didn't have to get to the second bar which was how do you prove that the trump campaign was harmed by the fraud Mm -hmm. okay so in the in the search for fraud yeah we found some uh literally dead voters and uh in pennsylvania if you google dead voters in 2020 you're going to find a couple that were convicted and interestingly the 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 two convictions that i'm aware of were both republicans who admitted that they had cast votes in dead relatives names on behalf for uh president trump Mm. and the only way you know how someone has voted in our election system is if that person chooses to tell you. We vote anonymously, right? So when you go into the voting booth, it's nobody's business who you choose to vote for, and nobody has any legal right to know who you voted for uh, unless you've been all jammed up and got into legal trouble for some form of voter fraud and then as part of your uh, sentencing, you have to cough up what you did. So uh, we found small amounts of fraud, not in any of the swing states that we all know by heart. Uh, not one state had enough voter fraud in it or even close to enough voter fraud in it to have met the first bar, which was enough fraud to matter. So whether it was Georgia with roughly 12,000 votes or Arizona with roughly 10,000 votes, we didn't find anywhere close to those numbers in terms of documentable, verifiable fraud uh, so that you can even begin to contemplate a legal challenge. And, and so your, your, your work was also, was also uh, 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 garnered and, or, or, or brought in by the January 6th committee in the House that was looking at, at the case, uh, and then also, Jack Smith, Fannie Willis are all taking a look at this, too. Uh, Ken, I, I'd love to have you back on. I, I do know you have a book coming back uh, or, or coming out shortly. Um, so let's stay in touch, and I'd love to have you back on. We'll, we'll chat about the book as well. 